That's classic. We bring you great laughs and a unique behind-the-scenes look at classic television shows and movies. I'm John Cato. I'm an actor, voiceover artist, and also bring you an amazing insight as a moderator with over 20 years' experience in the television industry. Okay, today we have what I would call a special host with the most, because it's my co-host. That was kind of fun to say. That was good. It was, eh? Um, Bob Bergen. And I often say he is animation extraordinaire, but he really, truly is. Yes, he is my good friend. He is my co-host. But the man is just phenomenal in, in the world of animation. And today we're going to focus on really an area that he is part of, and that is the Looney Tunes. Um, so this episode, we will completely just discuss the Looney Tunes. And, and for those of you that don't know, Bob is the voice of Porky Pig. And I'm going to turn it over to Bob right now. Bob, could you tell us some of the other voices that you are? That would be wonderful. Well, and I will, I will preface it with, you know, I people, when I do these interviews, they call me the voice of or the official voice of. And there really is no such thing. Uh, I don't have a contract. None of us who do classic characters have a contract. We just wow. get hired. Yeah, I know, right? It's so, insane. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is uh, my name is not Warner and I don't have any brothers. So I don't own yeah. these characters. Um, but when the phone rings and they want to hire me for something, it's a good day. Uh, right. but, I, but over the last 31 years, um, uh, uh, the Pokey Pig is, is one of them. Uh, Tweety, the little buddy who hates that. <laughs> oh, he's uh, I've done uh, Sylvester Jr. Uh, many people don't know that Sylvester has... I guess it's an illegitimate son because we don't know who Mrs. Sylvester is, but wow. oh, look, it's a giant mouth. Pop, go get him. Uh, and, and a whole bunch of other characters, but you know, Looney Tunes is, is my passion and uh, it's not, it's not uh, everything that I do, but it's, it's pretty high profile. Did you do Marvin, uh, Marvin the Martian? I did Marvin in, in the original Space Jam. Isn't that lovely? Oh my gosh, that's a stir. I, I can almost hear a little a little Sammy in there as well, a little Sammy Davis kind okay. of comes across. I'm gonna blow up the earth, baby. That's <laughs> right, Venus. Who can take the sunrise? <laughs> that was great. Marvin the Martian dude. Um so what um what you know, I guess this is something that I, I I've read about, but I, I was wondering what have you heard? Why does Porky Pig stutter? Why does Porky Pig stutter? Because it was in the script. No, I, I actually, um, it's, a, it's an interesting question. And yeah. I actually, I have the answer. I don't know if you, if you if, in, okay. your, in your, in your Cato-esque research, let's see, <laughs> let's see if your research matches my truth. Okay. I had heard that Joe Do Doherty, who yep, was the, the original Doherty. before yep. Mel, Mel Blanc, actually had a stutter. He had a severe stutter and right. that it got built into the character. And that Mel carried it on because it had become kind of synonymous with the character. Is that true? Okay, that's that's true. We're going to put that right here. Let's yeah. go, before, go before that. Uh, so Fris Reeling, who was one of the founding fathers of the Looney Tunes, along with Chuck Jones and Tex Avery and Bob Clampett, yeah. Fris, Fris Reeling uh, directed a short uh, called I Haven't Got a Hat which was uh, a, a parody of the Little Rascals. And they were all oh, kids. Wow. And one of the characters was a kid, a, a, a pig named Porky. And Fris Freeling, when he was a kid, there was a big fat kid in school who stuttered, whose nickname was Porky. Oh, and he, wow. he, he used that as inspiration for this character. They hired Joe Doherty to voice this character. Um, and they, he, they sped him up. They sped up the voice because he took so much time to get the lines out. These six minute cartoons were coming in too long. So, oh, they, wow. they, so they sped his voice up and um, he became a hit. He was the first Looney Tunes character that was a star. Um, after a while, Jack Warner was getting these outrageous budget bills for these cartoons. Why are these cartoons costing so much? No way. And they said, well, this is before 
this is before tape, they actually recorded the voices on film. And they said, well, this kid, because the character and the actor stutters, we have to use so much film stock to get just a six minute cartoon out. And Jack Warner said, then get somebody who can do this better because he's wasting too much money. Mel Blanc had done one cartoon where he did the voice of a, of a drunken bull. Uh, actually a wow. guy in a costume who was drunk. And they offered him the opportunity to try to do Porky and try to kind of take on the same stutter, but if he could control it so it wasn't so uh, out of control and make it, make it comical. And that was a cartoon called Porky's Duck Hunt, which also introduced Daffy Duck and you voiced both those characters. So Porky's uh, Mel Blanc, Mel Blanc, Mel Blanc's Porky debut and Daffy Duck's debut was in the same cartoon. Oh my God, that's crazy that that's how Mel Blanc got the job because Warner Brothers was like, well, get rid of him. It's, it's too much money. Now, were the Looney Tunes also created as a driver um, for the, uh, the Warner Brothers musical uh, compositions? Is that true? Well, that, that was Merry Melodies. Um, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say a, a name. Uh, Hugh um, Harmon. Uh, watch other episodes, people. That would be funny. <laughs> some point in life. Um, Little inside moment there, yeah. Right. So Disney had a, a franchise called Silly Symphonies, mm -hmm. which musical cartoons. Warner Brothers did Merry Melodies. It was their basically version of Silly Symphonies. Uh, Silly Symphonies came first, and. Honestly, Merry Melodies was a way to sell Warner Brothers' owned sheet music. Because back, I was wondering. back in the day, people used to gather around the piano and listen to somebody in the family play music. Right. So it, right. it, it was a way to use their, their, uh, their music library. And, and the, 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 they really kind of sort of became the same franchise, Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies. After a while, I don't know why they chose one over the other because uh, mm. they started using it for music. Uh, gosh, I heard uh, probably in the early 40s. Um, and, and the original ones were in black and white. When we were kids, when we saw the early ones in color, they were they were hand colored. I wow. mean, in these, they would they would actually colorize the film strips. They were uh, by so hand. bright. I remember that. Oh, yeah. Really bright. Yeah. yeah. Um, so tell me this. Uh, I had, I had heard that Bugs Bunny, which I thought this was a really cool story, by the way, is uh, changed the meaning of the word Nimrod. But Nimrod actually, do you ever hear this? No. Okay, this is, this is one then that you'll enjoy. He, uh, I guess in like the Bible or Noah, something like that, there's, there's something about the mighty hunter, uh, Nimrod. And I guess Bugs Bunny, I, I think he tells Elmer Fudd that, you know, wow, what, you know, looks at the camera or whatever and says, wow, what a Nimrod. And it actually changed the, um, the term because obviously now when you say Nimrod to someone, they take it in a negative manner to mean like, you know, loser or, you know, bonehead, however you want to put it. And I guess um, when Bugs Bunny did it with that characterization, he literally changed the meaning of it. It's supposed to, it actually represents going back in time, like a mighty hunter, a mighty tough. Yeah. But the way the line was read, it changed the whole dynamic of it. And to this day, people still look at Nimrod in that way. That is so funny. And I, I would never think of it as a compliment ever. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, apparently it was. Uh, see, I, that was my Looney Tunes history that I got to actually add to the, to, the, to the master here. So what, for you, what, uh, what has been the, you know, when, when you look back, what do you think is the, probably some of the, the more significant um, episodes that Looney Tunes has had that, you know, obviously I know that you love Porky Pig because you're Porky yeah. Pig, but what do you think has been like the, when they really went into high gear um, and became probably the most popular? Yeah, it's interesting because um, they they their their first uh, their first character uh, that became a hit, uh, which was I mean before the Bugs, the Daffies, the Porkies, uh, they had this character Bo Bo Bosco. Oh who right, yes. Who eventually became a character Buddy, and oh. and he was um, okay. 
every every studio had kind of like a version of Mickey Mouse, you know. Um, you, mm -hmm. you had Oswald the Rabbit at, at, at Universal and then started out at Disney, then Universal, now back at Disney. Uh, and then Bosco was sort of like the same very primitively drawn character. Right. Uh, I would say, honestly, the, the standouts would be Porky's Duck Hunt, Porky's Hair Hunt, which introduced Bugs Bunny. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't Bugs Bunny. He was just a rabbit. He didn't become Bugs Bunny until uh, Elmer's Candid Camera. Um, I would say that uh, each director had their own style with these characters. You knew Bob Clampett was a little bit more zany. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Chuck Jones was a little bit more cerebral. They, the characters always looked a little bit different. So if you look back at the evolution of these, of these cartoons and you're like, oh, that's when Daffy Duck went greedy. Because Daffy Duck was just cuckoo crazy nuts. Mm -hmm. And then all Doug Jones says like, I want to make him this very sad, sack greedy character. Um, very risky to do that to an established character that the audience knew really, really well. Did, did you work with Chuck Jones? No, he was at one of my auditions. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it was like number 12. And um, wow. uh, I actually, no, I, I take that back. I, I When I was a kid, Mel Blanc was uh, doing a, a lecture at Loyola, an evening with uh -huh. Mel Blanc. Dad took me. And Chuck Jones was down front. And there's a line of kids. And he was signing um, the, the program. And I'm like, oh, Dad, I got to go get in that line. My dad goes, yeah, sure, go get in that line. So, um the, the kid in front of me, uh, I'm like, oh, I'm next, I'm next, I'm next. And the kid says to him, Mr. Jones, why does Daffy Duck have a white collar? <laughs> and Chuck Jones looks at the kid and he goes, because he's a mallard, you moron. Oh, <laughs> like, no. Oh, no. <laughs> this poor child. This poor child. The kid walks away. I hand him my, 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 the lights go down. Oh, no. And he goes, sorry. So. Um, you didn't get the autograph. I did not get the autograph. Uh, so then it's my time to audition for him years later. And I, I went up to, to shake his hand and I'm, I'm like this, like nervous. And he goes, why are you so nervous? I said, I'm about to do Porky Pig for Chuck Jones. It's like doing Jesus for God. Right. And, right. And he starts laughing and I start laughing and uh, he wasn't there to make any decisions. I think he was there because he was, uh, he and Frizz were the last two. Who yeah. Were Legend. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and, and it's very fortunate that he didn't have a say because he hated me. He wow. did, did not, he thought I was too young to play this character, too young to know anything about this character. I think I was 26 at the time. Unbelievable. So, wow. Yeah. So he did not have a say as to who got cast. Wow. Did you, you know, I, I know this story, but I mean, it's kind of hard not to, for the listeners that love Looney Tunes that haven't heard it possibly. Tell me the story, uh, if you would, about how you initially met Mel Blanc, you know, in person and and the phone call. And if you okay. could run that, I think that's a terrific story. Anybody, Looney Tunes person would love. Yeah, uh, I've told it a million times, but what the heck, you pay good residuals, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, they're huge. They're huge. That's right. So we moved to LA when I was 14. I wanted to be Porky Pig. I just figured I'm going to call Mel Blanc. I've seen him on TV. He looks old and ready to retire. And I thought, well, I'll give him a chance. Isn't that nice of me? And I really did think I was being generous. So wow. uh, I looked in the phone book and I could not find his phone number. And my dad uh, explained to me that, uh, you know, we had come from the Midwest, from Cincinnati. And yeah. so LA is a much bigger area than Cincinnati. They've they're, dozens of phone books for right. LA County. Right. Where Maddie, there's one phone book. Yeah. So my dad dad traveled all over Southern California from like Pasadena to Malibu and went to the post office. They used to have a thing called a phone book. And he collected every white page phone book from every county he could. Wow. And I had a stack of phone books and I just I'm gonna call Mel Blank and just tell him, hey, how are you? Um and I looked I called every Mel or M blank in the books for starting with the top one, working my way down. Were there a lot of them? Yeah, a lot of Mel's and M blanks, yeah. Enough, enough to spend a day doing this shit. Wow. So, um, couldn't find it. And then I thought, well, maybe it's under his wife's name, which I knew was Estelle. And I, I found an E blank in the Pacific Palisades, that was his house. And I got him on the phone and he said, how did you get my number? And I 
told him how I got his number and um and I and I recorded the conversation. It's it's, it's oh illegal. I've heard it. I've heard yeah. it, yes. It's illegal to do, but I, I I was I was making the phone calls in my parents' bedroom and in the kitchen down the hall. I just had my the, the extension on my little portable tape recorder and I'd push record, run back in the bedroom, dial the number, wrong number, sorry, hang up, run in the kitchen, hang up the phone, push stop, push record. And I just kept doing that wow. over and over again. Wow. And uh, uh, during the course of the conversation, he had mentioned the name of the studio he was working at that week. He didn't say the day or the time, but he did say uh, the name. So when I was finished talking to him, I called that studio. And oh I pretended, my gosh. And I pretended to be his assistant. I said, hi, I'm just calling to confirm uh, Mr. Blank's uh, uh, appointment for, and I just made this up because I didn't know what the day was. I said, for Thursday at nine, they said, well, we have them on the books for Wednesday at 11. I said, oh, you're absolutely right. I'm looking at the wrong calendar. I'm so sorry. So I said to my mom, we're going to skip school on Wednesday and watch Mel Blank work. And she said, cool. So when we got to the studio that Wednesday, I said to the receptionist, hi, we're, we're, we're guests of Mel Blank. And she said, he's in that booth over there. Talk about in, guts. Kind of. Yeah. And I walked yeah. into that over there and I said to his producer, hi, we're friends of the receptionist. And she said, we can watch. And <laughs> so that's how I got to watch him work. And, wow. and I collected his autograph. You probably, probably can't see it on this, but you see the picture of Casey Kasem? Yes. Okay. And then two over, there's an autograph of Mel Blanc. But yeah, that's a uh, tough one. But I had it blown up and I put it above. Oh, my right. So on top yeah, of your voiceover booth, of course. Exactly. He gave me he gave me his autograph at the end of the session. And uh, and that was pretty cool. Isn't that crazy? And then you go on to actually become the voice of Porky Pig. I mean, that's kind yeah. of a cool moment in life, you know. Well, I will tell you that the first job I did was uh, Tiny Toon Adventures, mm -hmm. and my parents took me out for dinner to celebrate, and I got this tremendous just wave of depression, and my mom was like, what's wrong? And I said, I'm 26, and I just met my lifelong goal. Now, what's next? Now what? Wow. And my mom, why don't you just kind of enjoy it and shut up? I mean, my mom was like, you know, because I've been telling my parents I want to be a Porky Pig since I was five. Right. And then there you are. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, yeah. you just did it. So shut up. Eat. Enjoy. Yeah. Not too many five-year-olds that say that to their parents actually go on and do it. That, that's, that's pretty most amazing. Five -year -old, most five-year-olds don't say they want to be a cartoon character. I mean, right. they, and if they do, that's Monday. On Tuesday, they, they want to be a fireman. And on Wednesday, right. they want to be an astronaut. I mean, that's you just... Never, you, know, you never stopped. You always wanted it. Yeah. 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 Now, okay, a little history here again. Um, I heard, and I, do you know, for, you know, it's kind of fun throwing these past you. Do you know what Tweety's name was before it was Tweety? Uh, I don't. Uh, do you know what color he was before? He was, he was flesh colored. Yeah, he that was, is correct. He was, he was actually uh, based on a baby picture, a naked baby picture of, of uh, excuse me, Bob Clampett. And in, in only one cartoon, which is called A Tale of Two Kitties, which is an Abbott and Costello parody. Oh, I did not know that part of it. Of course, you know, I love Abbott and Costello, so I that's do. wild. Oh, I know. Um, it was Babbitt and Catstello. Those are the two characters. Oh, um, see if I can he, find that. He, he was flesh colored. And th this was during the days of the, the Hayes Commission, which was basically the motion picture censorship uh, group. They said, um, the bird looks naked. And Bob Clampett's like, <laughs> well, it's a bird. So right. Yeah. They yeah. said, put feathers on that person of the next cartoon. He was yellow. Oh, that's funny. Okay. What was his name? What was his uh, name? Orson. I actually, now that you're saying that, I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a wild one. Well, I'm glad that I got it past you a little bit. You got to have a couple of those. There, there you go. There Bob you go. goes. By the way, say, so what, what famous motion picture did that, Tale of Two Kitties cartoon debut with. Oh God. Now that I'll never know. I don't tell me it was like an Abbott and Costello or something like that. Wouldn't that be funny? But they were under contract at Universal and this was a Warner Brothers picture. What year was it? Think World War II. God, what would that have been? Uh oh, you got you got me. I don't know. I don't know. Casablanca. Casablanca. Oh, 
It was Casablanca? Yep. Oh, wow. Wow. Paired with Casablanca. I'll be darn. Oh, that's pretty cool. What a great opening. Oh, my God. Casablanca, definitely one of my favorites, period. There you go. Um, I got another one for you. Um, right. Sylvester. Yeah. Uh, which I... Thomas. Okay, whatever. <laughs> it was, it was Thomas. You're right. Was that question? What color was his nose? Blue. Red. Ah, oh, shoot. I actually had a visual in my head of blue, and I was like, come on, I got that one. And by the way, uh, Sylvester and Daffy Duck are pretty much the same voice, but Daffy Duck is sped up. Is it, um, are they done by the same person now? Uh, no. No. Wow. No, they were when Joe Alasky was with us, when Joe Alasky was doing uh, both Daffy and Sylvester. Uh, but right now, I mean, it depends on the project. They bounce around who does what voices. Uh, yeah. But for the most part, we've got Jeff Bergman doing Sylvester and Eric Bauza doing uh, Daffy. Interesting. Interesting. I, I got another one for you, Yosemite Sam. Yeah. Uh, what is Yosemite Sam's name in France? It is, uh, <laughs> it is Le Sam de Yosemite. I don't know. What's his name? <laughs> Sam the Pirate. Don't ask is. me why. Of course it, it is. Because Sam the Pirate. The Old West was full of pirates. Exactly. I thought that was one of the most bizarre ones that I saw. So for you personally, I mean, obviously you do the voices, but what are your favorite characters, you know, from Looney Tunes? Like, you know, what, what have always been yours? Has it always been Porky Pig? Or, for or me, me personally, it's always been Porky Pig. Uh, but as a kid growing up, there were some obscure characters that like one-offs that, mm. in fact, I got to do one of them. Uh, I can talk about this because it's on HBO Max. Actually, we'll be, when does this broadcast, this thing we're doing? Ah, we're hoping within a week or so. Okay. And, yeah. And you know what? then I'm going to actually uh, give you a nugget of information that nobody will know. All right. Uh, so HBO Max is doing Looney Tunes cartoons, which are the closest thing I've ever done Looney Tunes shorts. Uh, there was an old bunny and this little gremlin and he's, and he's flying an airplane and he's almost crashing it and Bugs Bunny's freaking out. And, and the little I gremlin would be like, these blockbuster bombs don't go off unless you hit them just right. And I remember this, that. He had this little laugh that was like, <laughs> I totally remember this. So I'm doing the gremlin in the oh. new shorts. Oh my gosh. So that was one of those little characters that um, when I auditioned for him, I was like, oh, I really want this because I love that little character. I loved him. I love Pete Puma, who is who did maybe one or two shorts. Yeah, I don't know if I know Pete Puma. I definitely know the one you just did. Uh, Pete Puma was a, was an orange Puma and he had a big jaw. And it was it was it was um, Stanford Greenberg's first job as as a voice actor. He was 19 years old. Wow, 19. Yeah. So I love Pete Puma. I loved, um, I loved the little gremlin. Um, I loved Bicky Buzzard. Bicky Buzzard was that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I know him. I didn't know him by name. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so some of my favorite Looney Tunes characters were just these little one-offs, maybe one or two. Okay. What was Marvin the Martian's name originally? Ah, uh, you got me on that one. I don't okay. know. And when was he named Marvin? Tell me. Okay. So Marvin the Martian, first of all, his voice changed. The very first cartoon he did, he had a voice like this. Oh, God, it's another, it's an uranium fuel that is exposed to the space multimeter. And then years later, wow. he brought him back. And Mel Blanc didn't even know he had done him before. So he just created this guy. <laughs> so the name of the character in the script it didn't say Marvin or Martian. It said Antwerp. Antwerp? Antwerp. Because Chuck Jones designed him after an ant. He drew a little black ant and then put the costume on, on the ant. Oh, wow. And he was a little guy, so they called him Antwerp. That that cartoon or that 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 cartoon session that I had crashed with Mel Blanc. Yeah. Uh, that was actually a stage show. Uh, that Like an arena show like they used to do in the old days. Yeah, yeah. And the Martian was in it, and he was singing a song that went like, my friends all call me Twerp, but Antwerp is my name. 
And I looked at the producer, I said, who's Antwerp? And oh. she said, I'm the Martian guy in the old cartoons, but they never referred to him by name. Cut to a few years later, they're, they need they need a name for a shirt with a with a Martian character. Yeah. Or a lunch the Mar- so they're like, all right, Porky Pig, Daffy Duck, Bugs Bunny, something Martian, something Martian, something Martian. Can't be Mickey. Mickey's been done. Murray Martian. Uh, 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 Marvin. Wow. So the merchandising department uh, named him Marvin the Martian. And he's the oh. only Looney Tune with a the. It's not Porky the Pig or Bugs the Bunny. He's right. It's not just Marvin Marsh. It's Marvin the Martian. Yeah, Marvin the Martian. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So it was basically just for sales. It was completely for merchandise. Yes. I got you. Okay. So I got to ask you about um, obviously with the new Space Jam that's coming forth. Um, what was it like working on the original? And then what was it like, obviously, working on the one that we are about to have premiere? I could talk about the original, but I can't talk about the new one. Can't talk about the new one. Okay, tell us about the original then. Um, the original was a lot of auditions. Um, I remember my last audition was at LA Studios. You know LA Studios. Yeah, uh, I do. I've uh, done many jobs there myself. Yeah. It's, it, it's kind of like, um, it's, it's almost like a, um, a, a, a mall for studios. There's like a different 25,000 different rooms. Yeah. And I'm in the lobby and uh, people who've never been there, it, it's got leopard print and it's just this iconic studio. And the, there's a billion people there auditioning for these Looney Tunes characters. And uh, the casting director, before it's my turn to go in, he goes, how many times have you done Porky Pig? <laughs> I, I said, I don't know, I've never counted. I mean, I've been doing them since like, you know, um, 1990 and this is about 95 ish so they know you're the guy that usually does porky pig yeah okay okay but the casting director grabs me by the shoulders pushes me against the wall and he goes i need to know how many times what "Eh, dozens and he goes okay when you go in there to read for ivan reitman because ivan reitman was producing the film and casting it he said oh wow tell him you've done it dozens of times i said okay so i walked in ivan Ivan reitman's writing something yeah he's like classic himself yeah yeah and i said mr reitman i've been informed to tell you that i've played this character dozens of times and without looking up he says well since there's a lobby full of people trying to take this character away from you that doesn't matter does it and i was like oh my gosh oh wow. okay so i have a script and i hate it when they type in my stutter in the script they actually they don't just say stutter they actually type the stutter if they're brand new and I've never worked with them, they will actually type in the stutter and I can never find the actual story amongst all the W's and P's and D's and whatever. Wow. And, and I think uh, uh, one of the lines was something like, uh, uh, hello, Daffy, where's bugs? And it was H, 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 hello, Daffy, where's bugs? And that, well, you can't stutter on an H. You can, you can only stutter on consonants. How interesting. Uh, and and you can't and you can't stutter on vowels and you can't stutter on H. So I instead of saying trying to stutter hello, I went hello. bugs. And he goes, can you not read the script? Oh no, come on. Stutter on the H. And I said, oh come on. I said Porky can't stutter on H. He goes, why not? I said you try. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Did you say that, yeah. Ivan Reitman? And he goes, well, what were you stuttering? I said Daffy. What were you doing? He goes, Daffy. I said, great. Now do it with an H. He goes, and then he goes, all right, Porky can't stutter on H. I said, great. Yes, exactly. I left that audition thinking I didn't get it. And then I did have another callback where I was told that they were going to put an offer out to Jack Lemon for Porky Pig and Space Jam. What? And I said to the casting director, how could they change such an iconic character with a celebrity? And she said, well, lots of people have played James Bond. Oh my gosh. And Seriously. I was like, well, I, I, got, I got nothing. So that, oh. for that, they had us do Shakespeare. Oh, wow. They passed out Hamlet. And I was, it was down to about four or five of us at that point. Now, did and, you know these other four or five guys? Like, have you seen them since through the years? Are these like guys that went on to have big animation careers? Don't even remember. Wow. I was, 
focus. But I remember when they had passed because you know when when it comes to a classic character, yeah, it's easy to mimic the catchphrases. Sure. New stuff is hard. Shakespeare's really hard if you don't yeah. know the character well. Right. I loved it. I was like, oh, this is gonna be fun. And yeah. I could see I could see them sweating. And I was like, oh, I think I got this. I think I got this. Yeah, no one's gonna be able to pull it off that fast. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So was Space Jam, the original, was it an enjoyable experience once you actually shot it? Yes and no. Okay, great. Thanks for um, being honest. Yes and no. Uh, first of all, um, we, we like any movie you record or you shoot out of sequence. Uh -huh. I never quite understood or knew what the story was. Wow. Um, we improvised quite a bit. Um, oh, I'll, I'll tell you, Tweety is sped up. Tweety, when I, when I, when I do Tweety, he sounds like this. When you hear it back, it sounds better. Okay. Wow. So we're doing day after day after day after day. And we're doing the, the basketball scenes and the, and yeah. the locker. Very and all, all the characters are talking on top of each other. I don't know, it was like weeks into the film. And I said to Ivan, hey, Ivan, just kind of curious. How are you going to isolate my voice to speed up Tweety when I'm talking on top of all these other characters? And he goes, oh, the guys in that booth, they know how to do that. And this guy pushes a talk back button. He goes, uh, no, we don't. <laughs> and so we had to go back and re-record all that stuff and billy west goes you moron wait till the end of the movie we'll get the whole damn thing over again <laughs> that's where i met billy west that was i mean billy west is one of the sweetest dearest most talented people on the planet yeah. um it, it was uh it was it, you know it, it was a fun experience um I don't know if I've told you the story. Did I, did I, did I tell you the story about the, the premiere? Uh, no, you did not. Okay. That I do not know about. Okay, but here's the story about the premiere. Um, I wasn't invited. What? So I was with uh, Arlene Thornton at the time. Yeah. And, my, and uh, Arlene calls up and Arlene calls to find out by my invitation to the premiere and the answer she got was well you know the premiere is only for talent oh no you've got to be kidding me yeah yeah uh so um did they not they, invite the other voice actors they ended up inviting bugs bunny and daffy duck because they were bigger stars now they were bigger stars the but the actors doing it i think it was d bradley baker's one of his first big jobs and yeah West's right job wow so, D. Baker's wife, Michelle, allowed me to be D's date at, at, the, at the premiere. That is, and that is ridiculous. I had never been to a premiere before. It was, at the, it was at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood. Oh, how cool. We are walking down the red carpet and the cheering and the loving and the yelling. And, we're, and we got our little tickets. And this is really cool. And they look at our tickets and they go, oh, no, you guys are in the overflow theater down the street. Oh, my God. I so mean, you guys go literally are a major part of this. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. Go, oh, okay. So we go down the street to this little annex theater, and we're in oh, at, no. at maybe 25% filled with secretaries and office workers. Oh, 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 Now, we did have passes to the after party on the back lot afterwards, and Dee's like, do you think we're going to the down the street after party, like maybe to a 7-Eleven or something. Or, or, or they hand you a serving tray. We did get to go to the actual after party and it was fun. It was a hoot and a holler. Um, in the distance, I saw this very tall, bald head walking by. Oh, and yeah. I was oh, I gotta go meet Michael Jordan. Did you meet him? Well, I went, I went running up to him and this, this giant uh, security guard like stops me like this. And I said, I just, I wanted to meet Michael Jordan. And he goes, nobody meets Michael Jordan. Oh, geez. I said, I said I'm, I'm, in the, I'm Porky Pig in the movie. He goes, I don't care if you're Mickey Mouse. You ain't meet Michael Jordan. I went, okay, okay. So I didn't get to meet him. Oh my gosh. Isn't that insane? Because anybody watching the film and stuff would think, oh, of course. I mean, whoever played Porky Big, whoever, you're you're one of the stars of the movie. I mean, you would know Michael because he was probably there for some things. And you probably got, and there was no connection whatsoever. And I, how like I think he was, I, wow. yeah, you and Michael Jordan might want to meet the, the cartoon voices because we didn't get to work together. We were recording our voices on a stage 
and he's on another stage shooting me on camera. So we didn't work together. Wow. But my first thought was, wouldn't Michael Jordan kind of want to do this? Number one, number two, it's the, it's the premiere of Space Jam. I literally. I mean, of course the voice of Porky Pig is going to beat Wilbur. <laughs> but um, yeah, let me meet Michael Jordan. I could meet, I, could, I never met him. Wow, that's crazy. Hey, um, I have a I have a little trivia thing, and I'll see if you know Uh-oh. this one. Who, who uh, what character has been both uh, on a Disney cartoon and Looney Tunes? On a Disney cartoon and Looney Tunes. Yeah, well, crossed over. Does Who Framed Roger Rabbit count? Because they all crossed over. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess you could throw that out. I was, it, which is funny. I was going to ask you about who framed frame Roger Rabbit. Um, Witch Hazel was actually the the character. Mm, that I read. Is that not, true or not? It's 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 a witch. Her name is Witch Hazel. They're both voiced by June Foray. I take that back. B. Benaderet voiced her first for for Looney Tunes. Oh, B. really? B. Benaderet was the original voice of Granny in Looney Tunes. Okay, B. right. Also voiced Witch Hazel for Looney Tunes. June Foray voiced Witch Hazel for Disney. And then June and B started sharing um, uh, Witch Hazel and Granny. And then B. Benadera died in the mid-60s and June just took over for everything. So there was a there were you're you're kind of sort of right. Did I tell you my my June Foray story when I was at that that uh uh she was getting an award. I don't know if you did. I, I know you, I know, I know you were close, but yeah, I did. I don't know if I've heard this story though. Go ahead. Uh, she was getting an award uh, at some voiceover conference and they said, let's take a look at the work of June Foray and they show a montage. Everything they showed was B. Benaderet. Oh no. And June oh. Grabs, grabs my leg under the table and she is squeezing my thigh so hard and she'd had a few vodkas so she was a little tipsy and she was really pissed and I could feel the the heat radiating oh, and she goes the first one comes up she goes that's be Benedict and that's the next one that's be Benedict grabs my leg girl be Benedict like that like the exorcist came out of her mouth oh my gosh and, and she never said anything did she ever comment on it I said, now, June, because I was walking her on stage because she was elderly and she had to hold on to me. I yeah, said, yeah. June, you can't say anything up there. She goes, like, hell, I can't. I oh, said, no. you can't say anything up there. And she was a perfect angel and didn't say a damn thing. Wow. Wow. That was, that was in Anaheim. Uh, we both lived in Woodland Hills. And driving home from Anaheim, that was one pissed off little lady. Oh my gosh! No kidding. To show all all of the all of the other woman's uh, work, woof. Every clip. But you know, I, in in their defense, June never got screen credit. Only Mel Blank did. Really? Yeah. Every cartoon, whether it, Mel Blank was not Elmer Fudd, Mel Blank was not the Roadrunner. He was certainly not Granny. He was certainly not Witch Hazel. Um, there were a lot. Of, he there were a lot of voices he wasn't, but he got sole screen credit. So oh my nobody, gosh. Nobody knew who else did any of those other characters. So it didn't say June Foray or Orby Benedict in the credits of those cartoons. It just said voice characterizations, Mel Blanc. Oh, is that sad? Jeez. Yeah. So what about what about um, residuals and that coming from uh, Looney Tunes work? Did First of all, did Mel Blanc, in essence, was he even part of that? Because was that even around? And is what that about? around now? I mean, uh, well, certainly around now right but uh, like when how how when did that kind of happen the residual formula that we have today and it has changed mm-hmm. is probably started in the late 60s early 70s the okay. looney tunes cartoon stopped in the mid 60s mid to late 60s um oh, no. mel blank he did not get rich doing looney tunes hmm. uh mel blank probably made more money doing radio excuse me he, he started making his money in this business with commercials and right. television cartoons. Wow. Wow. I went to I went to his estate sale after he passed away. Oh, you did? I, I my friend Aaron Perry, Aaron, if you're watching, thank you. Just she said, I got it. Listen, I got some scoop. There's an estate sale in the Pacific Palisades. And uh, and I said, Great. I actually I would have loved to have gone to that stuff. It drives me nuts when you tell oh. me these stories. And I walked in. Do you you know that big speechless? picture that was in the trades after he died with all the characters yes, i do yeah they had 
original painting. <gasps> they had Mel Blanc's microphone. Oh, wow. Um, it was a silent auction for everything. And I said to my mom, I'm going to bid on that. And she goes, you can't afford that. And I said, I'll find some way. I didn't get that. What I did get was he was the honorary mayor of the Pacific Palisades. So I got the key to the city that says honorary mayor of Pacific Palisades, Mel Blanc. And I have that hung up. Uh, these two little porky and tweety figurines that he had. I've on seen night. those. Those are yep. cool. Yeah. I had that and a whole bunch of business cards. Oh, wow. Is that but crazy? He had, he had, a, he had a, a, a mosaic tile at the bottom of his swimming pool made up to look like Bugs Bunny. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That's wild. Well, obviously he did all right. Uh, he, he did quite well anyway. You no, know, he actually, I don't think did. I don't think Mel Blanc was, I don't know if he died a wealthy man. I know that his son, Noel, uh, was able to track down, I heard close to a million dollars in uh, unpaid residuals from over the years. And I think that's how his, his, uh, his wife, his widow, uh, survived and lived the rest of her life over on that money. That crazy. Yeah. You know, as we close out, um, I want to close out. I mean, we might do a second Looney Tunes. We, we might right. still do another one. But um, I, I wanted, I think for everybody out there, I, I find that that story that you had put out about Casey Kasem, I find that fascinating about um, Casey Kasem and your first break in the business, really. And I, I just think it's a great story. It might not be directly Looney Tunes, but it is kind of the, the start to your, your drive in that direction. So can you tell us the Casey Kasem story? Yeah, I mean, in fact, I think I'll do this again, what the heck, but there over there is a picture of Casey Kasem. Yeah, yeah. I think you see it. Um, so I was graduating high school. We had a friend of the family who knew Casey and had him send me an autographed picture. And I sent him a thank you note. And I said, by the way, I, I, I want your job. And I put my phone number down. He called me up. How you do this? Yeah. Um, and he, I, I, I'd been studying voiceover, uh, but he's like, you know, do you, do you have a demo? Do you have an agent? No, no, no. He goes, well, put together a little something, just do a bunch of voices. And if I, if I hear anything, I'll give it to my agent. How old are you here? Uh, just turned 18. Okay just before high school graduation, it was like May. Uh, and um, his agent was a guy named Don Pitts. And mm -hmm. Don was in the hospital with something. I don't know what he did or had, but he was in an oxygen tent at Cedar sinai Oh my gosh. AC went to the hospital with a little portable tape recorder and through the plastic of the oxygen tent, played this little homemade demo. And a few weeks later, Don was, he recovered and he called me up. Who does that? Who does that? Come on. I know. I know. Wow. And uh, he called me up and he said, uh, I, I, I heard the, the tape you sent, Casey, and you're very talented and I'd like to represent you. And I said, okay, mister, I don't know what that means. But as long as it's after three o'clock, because I'm still in school till June. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And he goes, okay. And um, I didn't know I'd hit the agent jackpot because he represented Casey Kasem, June Foray, Janet Waldo, Paul Winchell, Mel Blank. Um, my first audition was with Orson Welles. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So not only do you end up with Mel Blanc's agent, but then your first audition is with Orson Welles. Did I tell you, did I tell that Orson Welles story? I'd be okay. happy to hear it if you would mind, wouldn't mind. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm sitting in the lobby at, at, at Commercials Unlimited. That was the agency Don was with at the time. No, no. Well, and in walks and sits down next to me, Orson Welles. A big man. I mean, a, he big, a big man, and he smelled like a combination of cigar and curdled cottage cheese. Oh, jeez! And he had greasy hair, and he just there was something disgusting about him. Oh, yet yet still just Hollywood royalty. Wow! And he, he looks down at, at my script. He looks at his script, and he goes, "I believe we're auditioning together. Would you like to practice outside?" And we do a take and he goes, I think that'll do. Okay. <laughs> Don, Don had a booth about the same size as my booth right there, which is like three and a half by three and a half. No, and, come on. And, 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 and Orson Welles was about nine and a half by nine and a half. <laughs> right. And so we're in this booth and his stomach is on mine. <laughs> and I can't move and I really couldn't breathe. 
And when we were done, I, I squozed out first and I had this big wet circle. Oh. On my and all I kept thinking was, I'm never washing that. That is Orson Welles <laughs> on, on my stomach. And the damn thing, it evaporated. And I was really pissed because, you know, it just. Uh. It, but yeah, that was my first audition. Did you did you get it or did he get it? I don't, I don't oh. know if he, I didn't get it. I didn't book oh, much. Oh, is that yeah. funny? In, in the early days, I did not book much stuff. Isn't that something? And Don yeah. and Don Pitts just stayed with you. They, they He just believed in you. I actually left him. I was with Don for five years. And wow. really wasn't getting a lot of work. Wow. And I, and I, I felt terrible leaving him. In fact, his assistant was a guy named Paul Doherty. And Paul yeah, Doherty. I know Paul. And Paul is Paul represented D. me basically. Yeah. That's right. Paul is yeah. the D ESD. And before he went to CE, it was called CED at the time. Um I called up Paul I to talk to Don and I said, I think I have to leave. You know, I just it's not it's not and, and and Paul said, nobody knows this. Don's in the hospital in an oxygen tent. No, he wasn't in an oxygen tent. <laughs> right, exactly. he, Listening to a cassette. <laughs> he, was, he, he, was, he was in the hospital. Wow. And nobody knows he's okay. But I said, well, my contract expired and I need to go elsewhere. What do I do? And Paul goes, you know, Don is a lovely guy and he loves you to death. But when you got Hal Smith and Paul Winchell and Casey Kasem and Adam yeah. West and Gatner and all these major, major people, he, right. he's not, he's Bob, he's not doing what he should be for you oh my gosh well that's when i went to arlene and that night the phone rang hello and i hear in the background oh no and i heard beep, beep. oh geez come on bob it's done i heard some very disturbing news today <laughs> and then i said him beep, 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 beep. I'm like, oh, oh god i killed him oh my god he was lovely. And he said, he said to me, you're going to be very successful. And I just wanted to share that with you. What? <laughs> oh my God. So, what a great guy. Don's office was a tall bank building where Hollywood and Highland is now. Wow. And I, for years, I couldn't go to Hollywood and Highland because I had such guilt because I left Don and his office used to be there. I've been there since, but right. So that's the Casey Kasem story with a little okay. bit of that. Well, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, another little piece of Looney Tunes trivia. It okay. Was, this uh, is like Stump the Pig, isn't it? It is. It is. It did, right. I didn't mean it to be, but you know, it's oh, kind this of is fun. When you've, got a, when you've got a close friend on, it's like, how do you not have a little, little bit of tweaky fun with this? Okay. Wiley, Wiley E. Coyote. What does the E stand for? I don't think it stands for anything. You don't think it stands for anything, huh? Okay, then what, what, then what would, what is his name? Or what Wiley, was his original name? Wiley Coyote. Yeah. I swear to God, this is one that I thought was bizarre. Ethelbert. Okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, all right. That's I've a got weird one. one. I've got one for you. What? You know, you know, when the Roadrunner sticks his tongue out and it makes that, that, that little sound? Yeah. What's that? What's that sound effect? Uh, like a like a um, a muffled tom tom hitting that's, hitting. That's a very good guess. Treg Brown, who was the sound effects guy for the Looney Tunes cartoons for forever, it's the sound of his thumb popping out of a Coke bottle. Oh, sped up, wow. sped up fast. So he just did this. So take a Coke bottle and just go like this, and you hear that little sound. Yeah, and sped up real fast. Oh, is that insane? Who would have heard that and gone, I got it. I got it. That's it. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, seriously. Hey, by, um, by the way, I'm not sure if Ethelbert was, was inspired by Mark Twain, but somewhere in there, it might be Ethelbert, the name Ethelbert, or else Wiley E. Coyote. Some, one of those two, it was inspired by Mark Twain. Well, that's I will say, I Chuck Jones created... Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner, and he was a huge Mark Twain fan. So that makes perfect sense. Okay. That's got to be it then. Because I knew there was a tie into that. And I think that maybe there's an Ethelbert in one of the Mark Twain books, and that's how that all circles around. But I always thought that was kind of I'll a wild thing. Tell you, I'll tell you one other little, little uh, of, of the director's story. 
Okay. Uh, early we'll close, on, we'll close out on this story. Go ahead. Early on, when I was doing Looney Tunes, they asked me and Fritz Freeling to do Good Morning London. But we were on satellite. We, we went to Warner Brothers Animation Studio, and Fritz Freeling was one of the co-creators. He created Porky Pig. Right. And he was he was he was elderly at the time. And the, the president of Warner Brothers Animation, I go to the green room, Frizz, this is Bob Bergen. Uh, he's doing Porky Pig for us now. And Frizz goes, we used a guy named Mel Blank. <laughs> I, I, said, I said, I know. And he goes, I didn't always love him. I said, what? <laughs> well, you know, he was fine for Bugs and Daffy and Porky, but... Jesus Christ, I don't want to use them for everything, but Jack Warner was too cheap to hire someone else. So I oh stuck for everything. Oh my God. And the Warner Brothers executive said, Frizz, we're not going to tell that story when we're live on the air, right? Which story? Oh, like, oh, 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 wow. Wow. Boy, no kidding. Yeah. It, that is interesting. Isn't that something? How, you know, I think that that is actually, it's a good story to close out on because I mean, it is funny how many of these things were based on either merchandising or promoting or let's cut the budget. You know, oh, yeah. how many can you do? You know, why does Bugs, why does, why does uh, Mickey Mouse only have four fingers? Because an extra finger would have cost thousands and thousands of dollars over the years. I mean, oh. you, seriously. Or, is or, that or, true? Or, or, lines on his on his glove yeah there's 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 if you, if you add up how much ink and time it would have taken it's it's it's, it's a money saving thing it's just crazy to me because you look at it as such an artistic thing or such a a creative you know um moment and it's like no they were really just trying to save money so it's like you can do it well enough you're the, you're the guy Bob, thanks for coming on. Um, obviously, I you know I always have a blast. I love having you as my my co-host, but I also I'm so glad that we got to actually do an episode that just kind of you know talks about your background and and, and thank you for I loved I love the trivia that was fun. Keep that up. I, I, that's I like this stump the pig thing. Is, this is the, it keeps me on my toes, and I don't have any toes to be kept on. So this is fun. I think it's good. I think it's good. I, I did enjoy those moments from a personal level, but uh, there you also go. it's fun for the fun for the listeners to hear like that stuff too. It's good history. But um, anyway, thanks a bunch. Uh, I can't wait to do. You know, we'll do another Looney Tunes, but I just look so forward to doing more of our episodes together. That's that's coming in, and uh, for those of you that. Uh, haven't had a chance remember our previous one which will have been jerry mathers from the beef so all right all right buddy take it easy bob look forward to talking to you hold on follow us on spotify and itunes and leave us a review thank you so much